I want to share um, this thought bigger than I thought. And, and, and I want to show you where this comes from. As you know, I've been traveling a lot February in India and Ireland and then March in Cambodia and Vietnam. And then uh, May, I was in America and I was at a conference uh, at a church called North Point in uh, Atlanta. And uh, if you've heard of Andy Stanley, uh, he's the leader of that church. It's one of the biggest churches in North America. It's about 30,000 people over a weekend, but they've got a massive reach all across North America. And I'll tell you the, the significance of this in a moment. Um, but let me, let me just show you a, cu- a couple of pictures of this, this church. This is just kind of the outside of the church. And, and then you can go to the next one. This is, this is the 11 to 14s venue on a Sunday morning. This is Excel, all right, in one of the services, in one of the campuses, and one of the... the so, yeah, okay. Uh, this is some of the kids' space that they have at the church. It is phenomenal. It's like going to Disneyland. This is for, this is for, that's for preschool. This is for, I think, some of the littler kids. Uh, this is just some of the kind of incredible facilities they've got. And then if you go to the next one, uh, then this is one of their churches in, uh, in downtown um, uh, Atlanta. And they've taken over an old Presbyterian church. So they've still got uh, pews and uh, stained glass windows and an organ. And they're just kind of making it more uh, current uh, and just trying to adapt the building, which was a really interesting experience. And then, and then, so these guys here, and I want to tell you about these guys here, because this is important to who we are as a church. So all this bunch of people are all from English and uh, an Irish church. So there's basically five churches. Uh, North Point have been talking to us over the last year about what would it be like to set up a network in the UK and Ireland to try and help other churches who want to grow by reaching people who are far from God. So we're one of those churches. This guy, where's this guy? Jamie is an Assemblies of God pastor from Dublin. And then there's a couple of Baptist churches. And then there's an independent church as well. So we all went out to drive, uh, which was the drive conference at North Point. And we're all part of this network. And, And the reason I'm telling you that is because this is all part of what God said to us many, many years ago. You'll be a church that will be a resource church to others. You'll be a church where the fruit will overhang the walls. I had no idea. I think we had no idea that God would be doing some of the things that he's doing now. That every week we would see new people in Howells Owen and in Hagley and in Rowley. That we would see people coming to faith. That we'd have a church in Albania that we're connecting with. That we would be part of a network to try and help churches all across this country that want to grow by reaching people who are far from God. And so if you go to the next slide, thanks Lauren. And so this North Point Partners, okay, this is what this is all about. And um, I want to share that with you so that you can pray. Because this isn't just me, this is us. This is us. And what's happened over the last six months is that uh, North Point are helping us. They're giving us content. They're giving us some coaching. They're sharing resources. They're investing financially with no recompense for themselves. They don't want it to be called North Point. They don't want Andy Stanley's name on anything. They basically says, look, whatever we've got, we want to give to you because we want to help you reach churches that, that, that they could reach people who are far from God. I think that's amazing. And so on June the 27th, which is a Thursday, here in this venue, we have our first open kind of event. We've invited church leaders from all around the place. And so, so far, we've got about 150 coming. Um, and we want to share who we are. And some of the guys from America, some of the guys who started the church with Andy uh, are flying over. And they're helping to share some of the things that they've learned and that they're learning. And what I love about these guys is, is their posture. They're saying, hey, they've got a church of 30,000 people. But they say, but we want to learn from you guys. 
Because we're from Atlanta, which is in Georgia, which is the south of America, which is a very different spiritual context for Europe. And they say, and we know that our context and culture is changing. And we need to learn from you guys because we are in a post-Christian or a, almost a pre-Christian environment. You know that, don't you? Like Albania is, is point something 1% who are Christian. And like in Montenegro, which is the next country, I remember a friend of mine in Montenegro coming to an event that we, that we did and do, uh, where there was 300 young people in the room. And this guy from Montenegro said, you do know this is as many Christians as there are in our country, don't you? And that's Europe. That's Europe. And so these guys are saying, we want to invest in you, but we want to learn from you as well. And so I want to give you two take-homes from my time out there at North Point, okay? And I went six years ago to the Drive Conference, um, and then I've been a couple of times since. Uh, And here's here's my two take-homes. Number one, we've come a long way. When I went six years ago, I was totally blown away by North Point. I was blown away by the building and by the size of everything and by the facilities. And I was also blown away because they have language um, for what we felt God was saying to us about, about repositioning the church to be a church that unchurched people could connect with. That they'd understand that they'd want to go on a journey where they could find and follow Jesus. But when I went this time, I wasn't blown away like I was six years ago. And it was brilliant. And it was still great, but I just wasn't blown away. And I realized as I came back, I wasn't blown away because we've come a long way. We're now seeing God do some of those things that he spoke to me about six years ago when I sat there in North Point thinking, this is what it is. This is what God's put inside of us. I just didn't, we didn't, didn't have any language for it. Six years later, God is doing some amazing things. But you know, the other, my other take home was this. And it's very simple. God is bigger than I thought. And that take home comes from a song that I want to talk to you about tonight that we're going to sing as we finish in a few moments. And there's a song that they introduced there and I realised I sang it twice at the conference but then I went to Passion Church which is Louis Giglio's church where Chris Tomlin and many of those guys are and the song was actually written by some of their guys in the church. And it's an incredible song called Bigger Than I Thought You Were. And I realised as I came home from America You know, God is bigger than our dreams and visions. You know that, don't you? You know, four years ago nearly, when I I was the first person into the fire, um, you know, for us, and went in and went upstairs and and saw the devastation uh, of the fire, I had no idea that God would do what he's done in the last three and a half years. And in fact, six months before the fire, I was in Albania, in Duras, having a coffee on the beach, um, as you do, uh, working for Jesus. And and there was... (laughs) That's right. Yeah, you should see Andy's photograph. And uh, yeah, right. Mission, mission. And, and, and this, this woman uh, from YWAM, and she, she had a prophetic word for me. Uh, and this was six months before the fire. And I forgot all about prophetic word because it didn't mean anything. It was like, what's all that about? And I read it a few months after the fire. The prophetic word said this. I see you walking through fire. And you don't know what's happening. And you're looking to the left and the right and you can't see things. And there's been obstacles and barriers and mountains and all this kind of stuff. And you're coming through it. And on the other side is a land that you never even believed would happen. And all this kind of stuff. I thought, wow, God, you're so amazing. God, you are bigger than all of our dreams and visions. God is also bigger than our perspective. You know that, don't you? 
You know, in our nation, we just don't know which way to turn at the moment. You know, who's it going to be taking over from Theresa May and, and, and Donald Trump's in the country and what does this mean? And, and our perspective is so small. We think all these people are so big. God is bigger than you thought. Our hope is not in Brexit. Our hope is not in who is in number 10. Our hope is in him who is on the throne. God is bigger than I thought. And over these last few months, I've had the awesome privilege, and it is a privilege that I do not take lightly at all, of seeing some of the church around the world, seeing a church of thousands in Cambodia in revival, seeing a church of thousands in America, seeing a church of 30 in Vietnam in an underground church fearful for their lives, asking me not to post on social media because of what might happen to them after I've gone. These guys have seen the church in Albania and God is doing amazing things. You know, the fastest growing church in the world is in Iran right now. There's some incredible things happening in Iran and God is bigger than our perspective. God is also bigger than our fears. And I don't know what you're fearing. I know what we're struggling with as a family and all of that kind of stuff, and it crashes in, and of course it does, because life is real. But God is bigger than all of our fears. So in the light of all this, if God is bigger than I thought you were, what is our response? Our response, guys, is to give up. To give up. Now, I don't mean give up. I mean give up. And there's a line in, in the song, and, and it's going to come up on, on the screen here, hopefully. Uh, and it's this. So I stop all negotiations with the God of all creation. What a brilliant line. I've never seen that line in a song before. So I stop all negotiations with the God of all creation. You're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought. And just hold that on the screen for a moment. You see, negotiation, the word negotiation means discussion aimed at reaching an agreement. Does it sound familiar for our country at the moment? Benefit to both sides. Compromise on both sides. Brexit. It's a negotiation. It's a negotiation where two sides try and reach a deal of compromise that mutually is beneficial to both. It's time to give up negotiating with God. You see, this is what you and I do. This is the history of mankind. Right from the beginning of time, man has tried to negotiate with the gods. And so man has brought uh, sacrifices from the land and from, from uh, agriculture or, or, or animals because, because in ancient times they were trying to keep the gods happy. And then that came into, even in the times, if you look in the Old Testament, all of the people around the people of God were living this way. They were all trying to negotiate with God. And then even, the, even in the Hebrew kind of context, trying to negotiate with God. But we need to give up all negotiations because you can't negotiate with God. So let's just give up because he's bigger than we thought he was. You see, Moses tried to negotiate with God, didn't he, at the burning bush? Do you remember that? Where God called him to something and he said, oh yeah, but what about this? And, and, and I can't do this and I can't do that. He tried to negotiate. Gideon tried to negotiate when, when the angel called him and, and he said, oh yeah, but I'm the youngest and I'm the least and I'm all of this and all of that. And even Jesus tried to negotiate with God in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he prayed, God, would you take this cup away from me? Can we just have a negotiation? And then in the end he says, oh, what am I doing? Your will be done. I give up. So I stop all negotiations with the God of all creation because you are bigger than I thought you were. And you know, let, let me just pause on this for a moment. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and um, yeah, we've got some news for you as well. Um, Alison and I have been asked to lead a trip to the Holy Land. 
at the back end of 2020, along with Jeff and Kay Lucas. And we would love it if some of you guys from Life Central wanted to come with us, okay, on that trip. More information will come. But part of that trip will be going into the Garden of Gethsemane. And it was in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prayed and negotiated, tried to negotiate with God. And do you know, he had in that garden an incredible experience. Jesus knew unanswered prayer. Because he prayed, take this cup from me, but it wasn't taken from him. You ever had an unanswered prayer? So has Jesus. He also experienced unfruitful service. How do you think he felt when, when Judas pitched up and, and, and everyone ran away from him and he was on his own in the garden? He thought, three years I've been sowing and investing in the lives of these guys and in my deepest, darkest hour and moment, they run away from me. What unfruitful service. Ever felt like that? Ever felt unappreciated at work? Ever felt unappreciated in church or in your service? Jesus had that experience too. And then unbelievable betrayal. As Judas, who he'd walked with and, and lived with and fellowship with and shared with, came and kissed him on the cheek as a sign to the guards that this is the man that you need to take and arrest. But Jesus had given up negotiation with the God of all creation because he knew that God was bigger than even he thought he was as well. And when you give up all negotiations, you discover the freedom that you were designed and destined for. And you know, the Apostle Paul, he was negotiating with God a lot as well, but he gave up negotiation with the God of all creation on the road to Damascus when God showed him how big he was and that blinding light that knocked him off the donkey and, uh, and then he was blinded and then Ananias came and then he, he found his sight again and he, he went from Saul, the persecutor of Christians, to Paul, the church planter, Paul, the apostle, Paul, the one who was to give his life for the one that he had met on the road to Damascus. And you know, the Apostle Paul has a, has a really interesting way of introducing himself in many of his letters. Because even though Paul was a Pharisee, uh, which, which meant that he was, he was a nobility, he had Roman citizenship, so he, he was a really noble guy and he was high up in society. He introduces himself often by using a word, slave. He says, I, Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus. And the word he uses in the original language is the word doulos, which is the Greek version of a Hebrew word, which literally means a bond servant. And if you go back to the book of Exodus, the history of this is this, that when you were a slave, if you were set free by your master, but you decided that you didn't want to be set free, but you wanted to serve your master, you would go back and say, hey, I, 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 thank you for setting me free, but I don't want to be set free. I choose to want to serve you and follow you. And that was called a bond servant or a doulos, a slave. And what they would have is they'd have their ear pierced to the door, okay, which is a bit painful. Their ear pierced to the door as a sign that they'd given up their right to their own life and they were choosing voluntarily to submit to the life of the master. They'd given up negotiation. They were just his. Now what that means, if you give up negotiation, what that means is this. You then say, hey, I've given up the right to control and order my life as Keith was saying on Sunday, that autonomy thing, I actually want to surrender to you. What that means is three incredible things. It means it's his responsibility now to plan the program. Proverbs 3 verse 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord. It should come up here. Great. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. We know that so much. But I wonder how many of us know it and then forget it. I do. 
And so we negotiate with God. We try to say, God, if you were to do this, then, then, then could you just do that? Or why don't you do No, no, no. It's his responsibility to plan the progress. It's my responsibility to acknowledge him. Isn't it? It's my responsibility to give up. To give up trying to control my life, but actually to submit to his program for my life. Because he's the master and I'm not. Not because I have to be, but because I choose to be. Secondly, it's his responsibility to provide the resources. 1 Thessalonians 5.24. The one who causes one of my favourite verses is faithful and he will do it. Can't tell you how many cards I've written to people or messages I've written to people and I've put that verse on it. Maybe some of you had it from me. It's one of my favourite verses. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. I want to give up negotiating with you, God, because you're bigger than I thought you were. And finally, to fulfil the purpose. It's his responsibility as the master to fulfill the purpose. I love this verse from Philippians 1.6 and this is from the Passion Translation. I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put, listen, his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? It's like, hey, if you just give up negotiating, if you just surrender to me, if you just give your life to me, if you just keep giving your life to me, I will fulfill the purpose. Like I will provide the resources and I will plan the program. So why don't you get out of the driving seat and let me in there because that's where I want to be. I give up all negotiations with the God of all creation. You see, the slave doesn't see the bigger picture, but the master does. Several years ago, there was a friend of mine in Ireland that was older than me, who was a little bit of a mentor to me. And um, he had a, he married and um, they had a child. And, um, and in fact, it was a child for her from a previous relationship. And then they married and they would have their first child together. And I remember the day that I had the phone call that um, they'd gone into hospital to have the child and um, the pethidine had been put too high in Kerry's back and she died during childbirth. And the child was delivered safe and, and, is, and is grown. Um, but Kerry died in her 30s. I remember getting on a plane as soon as I could and flying over to be with my friend. And I remember sitting there and um, I, I didn't really know what to say. I was young and I don't know whether I'd know what to say now uh, in an awful situation like that. But I remember him saying to me, he said this to me. He said, right now, it's like my face is up against an oil painting. And I can't see any picture. But in time... I know I'll move away and I'll move back. And I don't know whether I'll ever see the full picture, but I know I'll see more of a picture than I see now. And that has always stuck with me because isn't life like that? Maybe life is like that for some of you guys that right now in your life, you can't see the picture. All you can see is a blur of color and shape and, and you don't know what it is. But hey, when we give up negotiating, when we surrender to him, then we leave the picture in his hands and we say, hey, I don't see it yet, but you do. But you do. And in time, I'll move to a different vantage point and I'll see the picture, God, that you have for me. And some of you, you don't know. You don't understand why you are where you are right now in your life. But God does. God does. Because he's the master and you're not. So maybe some of us need to give up negotiating with the God of all creation. Because he's bigger than we thought he was. So what does God want us to do? Two things. Stop trying to negotiate. And I do this all the time. God, if you were just to do that that way, then, then can I just help you out a little bit, God? 
and just tell you how to do that. And if you could just do that, and then this will be okay, then I'll do that. And then if you do that, then I'll do that. Is that okay? That's called negotiation. But, but what about if we were to say, hey, I'm going to stop doing that. Jesus, kind of said, there, this is what I might want. That's okay, but not my will, yours. That's what Jesus did, didn't it? I want you to take this cup from me, but not my will, yours, because I want to give up negotiations with the God of all creation. And then, secondly, I think we need to stick. I think we need to stick to our posts and be faithful. You know, one of the things that I absolutely love, and whether it's because I'm getting older or not, I don't know, but, but I love when, when Andy talked about the, the different generation. I love seeing Bob here, up here. Lost his wife just over a year ago. And stepping out of the boat and going out on a mission trip and loving Jesus. And Bernard, faithful Bernard, one of the elders in our church for many, many years, still prays for us as a church every month, along with some of the other older guys who've been elders, who now aren't elders, but still meet every month, week in, or month in, month out, to pray for me and us and this church. That's faithfulness. Like Kath Cliff, coming week after week, you know, until her frail body couldn't do it any longer. But she kept coming. And she sat there and she, she, a lot of it passed her by. But that's faithfulness. It's sticking to your post and being faithful in loving Jesus. And I want to say to you guys who've been faithful in this church for many, many months and many years, thank you so much. We would not be seeing the fruit we're seeing right now if it were not for your faithfulness. If it were not for your faithfulness. And so for some of us younger guys, and say us younger guys, you younger guys, we've got to stick at our posts. We've got to stick at our posts following Jesus. And that means sometimes life will not go as we want it to go. God is still God. Some of the things we pray for will not happen the way we want them to happen. God is still God. He is bigger than we thought he was. And so I want to invite the band to come back. And we want to teach you this song, guys. We're going to sing it on Sunday as well. And as we finish our time together, we want to sing this song, not just because it's a great song, but because there's such incredible truth in this song. And I believe that there are many of us here in this room tonight, and there's some lines in this song, there's some lyrics in this song which are absolutely right for you. I sang this song about three or four times in America. Every time I sang it, I believe that God really met me. There's a line where it says, I will rest in the Father's hands. Leave the rest in the Father's hands. So the great flip on the word rest. I'm going to rest and I'm going to leave the rest. I've got some stuff stressing me out right now. Anyone got some stuff stressing you out right now? But maybe coming to that moment when we say, hey, I'm going to rest in the Father's hands. Leave the rest in the Father's hands because you're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought you were. Shall we stand? Shall we stand? The guys will teach you the song and as you sing it, as you catch it, then, then, then just, just sing it along. I want you to do something for me though, just for a moment, not for me. Do it for yourself and do it for God. Would you just write, put your hands out in front of you just for a moment? Because giving up is about surrender, isn't it? Giving up is about opening up our hands and saying, Lord, I've been holding on too tight. I've been trying to negotiate with you. I've been trying to twist your arm. I've been trying to work it out. I've been trying to manipulate it. And There's nothing wrong with effort. There's nothing wrong with action. That's so good. But there's moments when we have to just let go and open our hands and say, Jesus, you are bigger than we thought you were. 
So Lord, we, we want to say right now, Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, for what you're doing at the moment. We thank you for all the great stories we're hearing about lives being touched and changed by you. But God, we, we want to we wanna maintain, Lord, a position of surrender before you. God, we, we don't want to become proud or arrogant or, or self-oriented. God, we want to give up. And Lord, I believe that for many of us here tonight, there's that moment where we just can't see the picture for our own lives. It's like our face is right up against the oil painting. But Lord, we want to give up. We want to give up to you, God. We want to give up negotiating. We want to give up trying to work it all out. And Lord, we want to surrender to the God who is bigger than we ever thought he was. So Jesus, we now just open our hands to you. And Lord, as we worship you, through this song, God, as we learn this song, as I believe this song is going to impact us in many ways, God, would you come and would you meet with us, Lord Jesus, I pray, through the truth of what we're about to sing and experience. And Jesus, we thank you that you lived and that you died and that you rose again. And Lord, we willingly give up our lives so that we can follow you. You are the master. Lord, we follow you, Jesus. So Lord, would you come right now? Lord, I pray if there are people here and they are facing huge challenges right now, mountains that they cannot see over, that they cannot see past or beyond, Lord, help them to know tonight, you are bigger than that mountain. You are bigger than that mountain. You are bigger than any challenge. You are bigger than that grief. You are bigger than that loss. You are bigger than that divorce. You are bigger than that miscarriage. You are bigger than that family situation. You are bigger than that financial challenge. You are bigger than any of that. And so Jesus, we look up to you. We look up and we say, God, we, we will rest in your hands and we will leave the rest in your hands because you are bigger than we thought you were.